Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. I'm your host, Kat. And I am TK, formerly known just as T. How are you, TK, formerly known as T? I'm fucking amazing oh. because you know why? why? Wait, let me, wait, let me, let me, let me lob it up. Why are you fucking amazing? Because I, people are full of shit and I just, I just, I don't know, man. It's just, I, that motivates me. When somebody does me wrong, it motivates me. Oh. I know that sounds crazy. I don't give a fuck. But that's just how I feel. Okay. Um, everybody can take that with them. Um, I've actually been amazing, too. <laughs> Not because people aren't shit. I've just been surrounding myself with amazing people. So I've just been feeling, like, better and better all the time because I have people who are pouring into me that I love pouring into. You being one of them. I have a couple of those. You said I'm one of them? Yes. Oh, well, you're one of them. I mean, I have a couple of those, but I mean, I don't know. I'm just at a place in life where it's, it's time to tee up. Ooh, I like that. That should be the name of your podcast. Time to tee up. Dun, bam, bam, bam. I like that. That was badass. Is that the intro? Yeah, that was the one of the opening things. Okay. But yeah, the last time on Bible Breakdown, you know who didn't have a lot of positivity around him? Saul. Saul was mm. really surrounded by what I would say is a toxic culture of constant animal sacrifice to get the God of the universe to help them kill people so they could invade their land. And I don't think it was a recipe for mental health. Uh, well... That sort of thing was probably frowned upon back then, or not even existent. Did they even have mental health? Was that even a fucking thing back then? Mental health? I doubt it. Well, the care, mental health care. They didn't have any kind of health care. Are you kidding me? Like, people were still putting mud on leprosy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there was nothing. The Lord <laughs> hadn't given them that technology yet. Even though it did, like, there were, like, a lot of advanced medical procedures on the planet and other places in like Africa and Asia this little but these were basically sheep herders out in the country who thought they were hearing the voice of God so yeah and when you think about it now a lot of people aren't that friendly to mental health care even now so yeah but yeah Saul messed up he got into it with Samuel because basically he was stepping on Samuel's toes by doing sacrifices and letting having Samuel do it so Samuel's like we're breaking up God's breaking up with you and he's found someone young and hotter Um, and because he didn't kill everybody the Lord had told Samuel that like you got to kill everybody down to the last sheep camel I don't care infants I don't care I'm so pissed off that they didn't help y'all when I helped y'all get out of Egypt. So the Lord told him to kill everybody, but Saul spared their king and a couple goats. So God, God, the Lord is like, you're out. I'm, I'm going to uh, move on to David. 
God changes up fast. But as you pointed out in the last episode, it didn't, I don't think, we don't think it was God. We think it was just Samuel saying he was talking to God, which is an easy thing to do. People do it all the time. But to be fair, I, I mean, I kind of took that uh, hypothesis from you. Oh, thank you for crediting me. Um, I also, before we get started, because we're talking about like sort of Israel's origin story. And right now, Israel is in the news a lot because they've basically been at war with Palestine since the like 1930s when the British government um, after. Mm, is that correct? I just looked it up earlier. I got 1967. Well, I'm going back to when Israel was established because I'm sure the Palestinian people would consider themselves at war from the time their land was invaded. So I'm going from more of a focus of the people gotcha. who lived there because it was after the Holocaust and the British were still occupying a lot of different places um, in Africa and the Middle East. And so they decided that, you know, the Holocaust was so terrible, they were going to give some of their plundered land to the Jewish people so that they could start a nation because of the horrible things that could ha had happened to them, which would have been a good impulse, except there were already people living there. We're coming off of Indigenous Peoples Day. And this is a common tactic that seems to happen where people act like there weren't people already living here. So that's the beef right now. But there's a lot of support. Be sounds like America. It, do it sounds like a lot of places, but especially well, America. States, yeah. Because there's more than one America. So it's a complicated situation because it's not like either group is amazing. Like, um, you know, basically what happened is uh, the British were like, hey, Muslims kick rocks. We're with the Jews because the court, according to our theology, um, when Jesus comes back, he has to destroy Jerusalem. And if there's no Jews there, it's not going to be fun for him. So we got to make sure nobody's there but the Jews. So they all, evangelicals always try to make it like they just care about Jewish people so much. But in their hearts, they're actually very anti-Semitic. And they just want them there so that they can watch Jesus blow it all up and give it to them. So I think everyone's motivations are terrible. And I, I tend to side with people who are just minding their business, living their lives, and were violently removed from their land and basically live under a system of apartheid now. Yeah, it's complete bullshit. Um, I do not support that behavior by any means. Um, shout out to or happy Indigenous Peoples Day. By the time this drops, it, it will probably be at least a week or two. Or I wish every day but, were Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, yeah, I'm not against that. I'm again more so with the, in line with what you said. I don't agree with anybody getting removed from their shit. Um, like it's not that's not cool not cool at all especially uh, but it's a lot of that that happens in the bible it does which is why so the bible is a good source of morality to me like the fact that we're like oh no the jews get to live there because the bible says so we've discovered the bible says a lot of stuff it's it's just really not you know, that great it was just the first book to be mass produced and got a lot of promotion before people could even read Huh. So, you know, you said that, oh man, I'm going to try to find the quote okay. if I have it. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to look that up. But there was a quote uh, the other day that I saw and I immediately thought of you. And it essentially was saying like, um, 
Let me find okay. it. Okay. Hold on. Because I don't want to butcher Fair. it. Because this is going to. I mean, if you started, I might know about, it. I don't. I have, to, I have to process through my brain of how to even articulate mm-hmm. it. Right. While you're doing that, I can complain about this whole Israel-Palestine thing some more. Please. So when I heard it in the news, I was like, oh, no. Oh, found okay. it. <laughs> it says, I never shall be ashamed of citing a bad author if the line is good. And I immediately thought of, when I saw that quote, it's Seneca said this, by the way. Seneca the Elder? Saw, uh, well, that's who's attributed to okay. it. Um, this, per goodreads.com. Okay. Um, but I saw this quote because I get notifications um, from an app that sends me this type of stuff all the time. Um, and I immediately thought of you because I thought of, uh, well, mo- actually, I actually thought of our talks with uh, the Godfather himself, KS. But <laughs> <laughs> but in in just um, real time, now it even makes more sense that it would be uh, attributed to all the discussions we've had regarding um, this book. Yeah, um, I, but I don't know. That quote makes it seem... Not a lot of good lines in this book, but um, I mean, when they, you know, when they hit, they hit. What would you say is a hit? Uh, I mean, you're not going to agree with any of these. Uh, I think that I really like the, um, damn, it's putting me on the spot because I don't have anything. I think it's important to back up your head. claims. No, I know. I like the, um, an eye for an eye. I do like that line. Um, although, it supports violence, so you know whatever. Have we even gotten um, there yet? We have not gotten there. You you didn't ask me for lines that we've already seen. Well, I'm just saying our whole point is like reading the Bible in its entirety so that we have the context. So right now, how many books are we into it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We're on the ninth book of the Bible, and quite honestly, I haven't found anything that I'm like, wow, that really inspired me. I actually like really like the beginning of Genesis too. Like I, I actually like that story. Well, the like the first I don't know maybe verse. I think it's very. Um, I don't know. It's, I like the world building of that, but we can debate that. The world building. That I don't like time. it because it's an imprecise version of how the universe started. The fact that people take it literally is a problem because then they don't want to learn how it actually started. And, you know, that's the thing I'm learning in life. What do you take literal? What do you not take literal? You should not take the Bible um, literally. These were, this is just the I would agree. machinations of I would hill agree. people I would agree. that have been preserved by the Catholic Church, which is a massively abusive I, organization. I do not think you should take it literal. I do literally. think. Literally. Um, but, I mean, it's. I agree with what the quote I said. Like, if I can find a good line, I'm waiting for you to find a good line. I can attribute. I don't have one, but I will find one and I will bring that back next time. That's how you. That's how you put a, a pin in an argument, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, and that's how you like just take a knee and win an argument. It's like, yeah, prove your point. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm not arguing to 
to be right. I'm arguing to find the solution. I, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you're making a claim. I'm asking you to back up that claim, and then there's nothing there. So do we have time for me to look it up? I, I feel like if it was something that because truly I, inspired you, it'd be like you you come with me no, with, like, a lot no, of Steve Jobs no. stuff, a lot of Phil Knight stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff that inspires you. But I have ne- I've never given specific lines from you, them. I've given okay. interpretations of stories that about them. So, like, I can do that with stuff we've read, and a lot of but I don't have a specific stuff on Instagram. Line. Like, I will say, like, you've never posted a Bible verse on Instagram in your stories. Can I make that note? I also post the things I've posted on there. I don't can you agree remember with me? exactly like, what it is. Like, can you agree with my point that you've never been so inspired that you've posted? Because you put a lot of inspiring quotes on your Instagram stories. I've never seen a Bible quote. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I but I already said at the beginning of this, those are the good lines or not that many. Right. So that we can agree I preface on. That, this, I preface that. For with everything this. we've read, this is very thin on the good stuff. Like it's in which is a way to be like, yeah, if I have to dig through a pile of shit to get to a diamond, I would rather go through a pile of diamonds. Like I, if there's there's just better offerings in what human beings have created on this earth than the Bible. The Bible just got a head start because it was the first thing to get printed. Uh, I agree with that. And I've already said they had the best marketing team of them all time, which is the Catholic but Church. Even with that, even with that being said, not everybody has the option to go through a pile of diamonds or at least they don't believe that they do. And the most important thing Damn what you're saying, damn what I'm saying is what people actually believe. Well, that's what we're hearing. Like the hardest thing, hold on, but the hardest thing to overcome is somebody's belief yeah. system. So like regardless, I could I could say what I say all day. You can say what you say all day, but if they do not believe something, then it does not matter. I'm not really Once again, I always feel like you think And sometimes, and sometimes I think you said this, did you say this to me yesterday? I feel like I I heard something. I want to interrupt you because you're making a point I'm not making. I'm not trying to convince anyone who is a believer to not believe in this. Mm, you've you've said that before, and I'm not gonna debate that part. Well, that I mean, that seems like the argument. That's not necessarily where I'm not that's trying not, to overcome not, people's belief. I'm trying to communicate to people who already like to think rationally and have a lot of guilt associating with thinking rationally because I feel like that's how I got out of it. So it wasn't like someone convinced me to not believe anymore. It was just a, a systematic journey on my own. And then when I was able to find other voices who were saying the same thing, I felt like a lot of comfort in that because it's like, oh, I'm not crazy. So for me, this is mostly for people to be like, hey, you're not crazy. Like, you just want to think rationally. And I would argue that whereas I'm there with you, like so many other things I think I'm just taking a different approach to this whereas when I talk to people who are in the position you were just talking about or are actually believers but I try to bring something to the table where I'm like all right let's just talk about things from a logical sense and so when we break it down that way even if I don't I guess, quote unquote, win them over that day. The pleads, the seeds have been planted. So something I had heard the other day, paraphrasing, because I'm not good at remembering exact lines. I just said this. But it's basically like you don't you don't know, like the impact that you make today. I mean, that could bear fruits later on. So therefore, I'm I'm willing to have these discussions from what I'm understanding. You are not. 
and that's okay. Oh, I'm willing to have them. My my experience is most believers don't actually want to talk about this. They want to talk at you. They don't want to actually. We've like I said, we've had invitations to have people on the show. Like people don't actually want to talk about this because I remember the feeling like when I still can was a believer. I didn't really want to examine this too much. I didn't even want to, one of the things that made me feel guilty was that my church was big on evangelism. So going out and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, you know me, I'm an introvert. I really don't like, you know, coming up to strangers and talking. And I would feel bad because I'm like, oh my God, because of me, so many people will be going to hell because I'm not sharing God's message. And I remember when I finally got the courage to actually do it, that was like probably the biggest step I took towards my deconversion because saying it out loud sounded so stupid. Like explaining it to someone who's not a believer what I'm professing my belief is. So I think there is a natural protection your brain goes into because it's like, hey, you're getting at this thing that we consider like a, like a, a core operating system. And I think in my mind, I don't know I, what I thought was going to happen if I stopped believing, but there was just this sort of just indistinguishable, like un, indescribable fear that maybe I would somehow cease to exist or be myself if I let go of this belief system, which I've been told is part of my identity. But for me, it happened when I was like 18, 19 years old. I was still pretty young. I think once people get past a certain age, it's not really even all that realistic. Like it's not impossible, but to me, it's so improbable. It's not worth putting the work into. As far as being a believer? No, as far as convincing someone, an adult believer, into not believing oh, something anymore. You. It's okay, not okay. worth the, the thing. But I think that there are enough curious minds out there, especially younger people now who've grown up with access to more information, who want to know more things. People don't necessarily want to sit and read this 2,000-year-old sleeping pill. So we're doing it for them. And rightfully so um my experience was a little bit different i always kind of just was like mm, i don't know if i fuck with this but that's just naturally my personality like i don't just do shit and it i think it's one of my more noble qualities but it's also the same thing that people love you for is the same thing they hate you, you for. Noble. i don't just follow <laughs> thank you i don't just follow shit just because people say oh follow this shit like i actually character. have to I have to it has to make sense in my mind and when I was going to school none of the shit made sense in my mind and so therefore when and I would ask questions like I literally I think has something similar with you like maybe I'm just maybe I'm not trying hard enough maybe I'm you know I, I literally had all of these thoughts and then I just kind of got to a point where I was just like yeah this kind of bullshit and uh yeah I people be like it, people be allowing this shit to like they pick the see what I don't like is what we've talked about before the 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 hypocrisy of it all. People pick and choose the little parts of the things that they want and then still say that they're this thing. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Um, I I don't know. I just don't like that. I think a more a, a better approach is to filter out the things that you do like and just if if there are things that yeah. you find in there that you do. I find in a lot but, of and uh, then traditions just say, there are things you can take like different religious traditions that are like actually like good um, mm -hmm. instructions but like I said I don't take it whole cloth and one thing I like yeah. about you too is that resistance even though sometimes stubbornness can be irritating 
But I honestly feel like who you are, no one would be able to convince you. It's like, hey, let's go kill this village because um, the voices in my head told me to. You'd be like, all right, man, let me just take a leak real quick. And then you just bounce. <laughs> but that shit wears you down, too, man, because you're surrounded by so many fucking people. We're who, like, hey, let's go murder like, these people. <laughs> or who just are so caught up in their ways. Like, I literally have somebody convinced that like I don't know myself well enough to know that I should stop talking to somebody an ex from my past because I'm involved with the truth I I must still love my ex and I don't fully see and therefore one day I will see I think you do love your ex I just don't think you're in love with her but the thing is, like, yeah. when you have a relationship with that. someone and you love them, if you really love them, even if you guys stop fucking, you'll still be like, you know what? I, you added value to my life. You were more than just a set of genitals. So, you know, I think that, you know, people, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The people who want to control other people, they can't even control themselves. So it's like, I don't really want to, you know, hear it from, like I said, these pastors who are like, oh, all these sluts are the reason why God is mad, as, mad at us when these they be the biggest hoes. Like, it never fails. Like, whenever somebody's like, oh, you're being too gay, it's like, no, you are projecting. You're mad because you're having gay thoughts. Just go be fucking gay and leave me alone. And I had a whole sort of discussion about that, too. Um, which is crazy. Like somebody said, man, T, you give too much of a political answer. And I was like, man, I just kind of, I just kind of weigh options. Like I, <laughs> I know like I'm not like, I don't, I, I'm not so, I'm not so like macho that I can't recognize like, oh, like, oh yeah, that's a good looking dude right there. But like, I don't want to fuck this dude, you know. Like, and it, it 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 kills me when people like that whole New York shit when niggas be saying pause and shit. Like, I hate that. That has I feel fallen like so out of immature. favor. I feel like a lot of that shit is that shit whack. That shit's corny, it is mad very corny. corny. We're like pause. And, yeah, like fam, we it's just, like, just talking. Know, like, I, don't, just, I don't ever want to suck a dick. It's like okay, relax. But I've gotten into like discussions with dudes because i don't know if you remember like a few years ago tank the singer had came out he was like oh yeah i like my ass ate or whatever like some shit like oh. that and people was calling him gay they was dragging him on the internet and i was like man shit, he like what he like man i what was i remember like, like it was an old ass mixtape from like probably the 90s may or definitely early 2000s i don't even know who it is because i never know who the rappers are but he was like I remember, I, I will never forget this line because this was before Sukiana. And she was like, she started licking my asshole. It felt so great. I fought her in her mouth and made her cheeks inflate. And it was like, this what the fuck? I'll, Is that too short? I, it sounded like. Sounds like some too short I think it shit. was slowed down too short because it didn't sound like too short. Like I was saying it at the tempo. I was in, it was a long time ago. Maybe we can find out later, but. This is Kat. Um, I actually did look it up. Those were the lyrics to 1991's Nasty Bitch 
by a song by Bust Down, JT Money, and Poison Clan. So, wow, what I was listening to in the 90s, it, it wasn't, it wasn't um, great, but man, it was kind of great. Okay, back to the show. Uh, to me, it's so telling that people want to judge other people for what they like it's so obvious you're not getting what you like because when you're getting what you want in life you want everybody else to get what it it feels so good like why keep this as long as they're not holding me down and making me do it i don't care and that's how i feel like which i had somebody tell me um i think i told you this in a personal conversation but i also had somebody tell me like man you're you're so like comfortable with yourself that it makes other people feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I mean, that's not my intention, but shit, like that ain't my fault. Again, I'm not just gonna do some shit because somebody say do this, or I'm gonna question shit. Now you I know, and I'm not gonna. I'm gonna quote another rap line, and I do know who say, well, said this. It was Cash Doll, and she said, "Bitches only want me turned down because they ain't doing enough." It's like I'm not I'm not turning my I'm not dimming my light for the comfort of imbeciles. Oh yeah, no. Nah, I'm, I'm And never. like I said, opinions are cheap. Show me some work. Like everybody want to tell you how to do it, they never did it. That was Jay Z. That was a Jay Z yeah, line, but that was a good one. People hate people hate on him a too. Lot. Did you see the thing about? Did you see the thing about him not giving his? Oh, we talked. That's crazy. We talked about this. We talked about everything a few but episodes the episodes ago. <laughs> Well, we'll get into that in a second, right. but um, because I'm 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 on my shit. Today. I know, so get it, I'm get your shit off. But um, no, the thing about him not wanting to loan his cousin forty eight hundred dollars. I don't know if you. I gotta send you the clip because I mean, how is that anybody? This his money. You don't have to do shit with your money if you don't want to. I I totally agree, but people people's argument is like he's a billionaire like that's fucked up and and the reason he's a billionaire is because he doesn't do dumb fuck shit like that's the (laughs) thing like he doesn't have to that's the thing your resources are your resources you can share them if you want to but like if you don't want to and we don't know what his shit was with his cousin what if that was like the cousin who molested his other cousin you don't know what happens in a family well I got to send you the clip because he doesn't even necessarily say, like, I'm not going to give him the money. He said, when I go home for Thanksgiving dinner, this ain't the place to be asking me for that. Right. I'm not in the business set. That, yeah. Like, this is not the time. And for my that. whole like, thing is, like, if you that. want a loan, you would know that. Like, if you not just wanted a loan, but if you did the work that earned a loan. Because nobody's just handing out money. Like, you have to fill out an application. You have to show me what your plan is. Not just my plan is to ask my rich uncle for or my rich cousin for some shit at the holidays. That's why people stop coming around. Like, and I don't blame them. Like, nobody has to do anything. Like, that. that's what's crazy to me. Like, you, if it's such a good idea, there's ways to make it happen. And like I said, I, I'm not like a huge Jay-Z fan. Well, I'll put it this way. I'm a huge fan of his work. I'll put it that way. And, like, that kind of work doesn't just happen. Like, this, the body of work he created doesn't just happen. So I think for people who haven't put in that time and that work, they don't respect it. And mm-hmm. the I feel like we could take a, a lesson from, like, a lot of Asian cultures where it's like, you need to come with some respect. Like, we're not peers. So maybe start there. <laughs> I'm sorry, well, that also, pissed me off for some reason. Let me calm down. As <laughs> Shannon Sharp said, like, everybody can tell you how to spend your money. Everybody want to tell you how to spend your money. Yeah. And it's like, 
that's facts. Like, I, I get that a lot. But that's the thing. Like, rich people, and this is the thing, too. I don't think necessarily accumulating a massive amount of wealth is a good thing, necessarily. But for people who've done it and have done the things that it takes to do that, you would you would have learned the lesson that you don't put money into things that don't bring you more value like you would you represent a money pit that would be the first in a probably series of bad decisions so um yeah i don't i don't have i was just about to since you got into that before we jump actually into reading the bible um what do you think where do you think the line is drawn though like because you just said you agree with like how he took his stance on that, but you said you don't agree necessarily with people uh, hoarding masses amounts of money. That's not exactly what you said, but that sentiment. And so where do you think the line is drawn? Because I think you should be able to make a lot of money, but we've also had the progressive tax discussion yeah. and things of that, yeah, I think uh, which I do. System. I, I personally, I just said, I don't think it's a virtue. Like I think it's in our, in American society, it's promoted as the highest virtue, getting immensely wealthy so that your kids don't have, you know, you'll have generational wealth and your kids don't have to worry about X, Y, Z. But the truth of the matter is, no matter how much money you accumulate, you're still going to have problems in life. And actually, you're probably, the scale of your problems are going to go up because you're living life at another level now. I mean, and if you haven't lived at it before, you're going to have problems you haven't even anticipated that can wipe you out. And I also like to remind people that like families that have generational wealth, a lot of times those kids aren't shit. Like it doesn't automatically mean your kids are going to be good just yeah. because they grew up wealthy. We grew up around a lot of wealthy kids. They, a lot of them, I mean, I saw like some severe mental health issues, neglect, abandonment. Like there were like real ass problems that don't just go away because people always just assume like, oh, once I get rich, I'll be escaping the abuse cycle. And a lot of times it just adds fuel to the abuse cycle. So I just like to remind people of that, but I don't think it's a reason to not necessarily enrich yourself. But if the purpose of enriching yourself is to escape something, it's, you're not going to escape it. I think that's why I haven't made a billion dollars yet because there were some shit I needed to learn. Um, life shit. Because I also have, fell under that same sentiment like i thought oh once you get this money you can escape and i think there's a balance to it because there is when you get a certain amount of money there is oh yeah because we're gonna start a patreon so please give us money like that's the thing like (laughs) i i'm not anti-money okay i'm just i think there's fucking but the whole thing it's it's very similar (sighs) to like anything you chase if you're chasing it it'll never be enough So, like I said, I think it is a balance. You have to hover between ambition and satisfaction. Um, But really find out what's important to you. I think the messages we get in our society is that this is important. But when I look look at myself and what I really want, like, is it important for me to have, like, a gold toilet? I don't think so. Like, I really just want to, you know, be comfortable. You know what's crazy about that is, like, I think I've started to get to the point in life – where things are just good enough. Like, I I know, like, for instance, if I'm buying, like, I've been getting a lot of furniture and stuff for my new place. And, you know, normally people go out and be like, oh, I'm going to go here and I'm going to spend, you know, hundreds of dollars to get this couch or this dresser or whatever. And I've just been like, no, I'm going to go on Facebook Marketplace and I'm going to get this shit. Because it's like, at the end of the day, 
I'm just putting clothes in this or I'm just sitting on this thing. Like I don't necessarily need it to be the top of the line quality, especially for the price point that I'm at in my life. And so I, I, I think that fucks people up sometimes. But I was going to say this to kind of pivot and then we can jump honestly into the reading. It's like a lot of things we just described in this opening is I think from my viewpoint, a lot of just problems for the United States, like the homosexuality or homophobia, the uh, mass um, consumption of wealth, the all the maybe not the mental health thing because I think that may be more accepted here but like a a few of those things for sure just things I feel like are probably just Americanized problems versus like the rest of the world. A hostility towards socialism. Yes, yes, yes and so um, I guess I don't know that's our culture for better or for worse. The obsession um, with guns. Which is Guns and God, yeah, baby. baby. Guns yeah, baby. Yeah, that's God. how Jesus would be like, yeah, I love how you can kill people real easy. That's what my whole shit was about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. You don't, yeah, you don't well, have to get your it, hands it, it, messy anymore. Like, these people, <laughs> you know how they had to kill people with, like, rocks and shit? That's why they were, like, jocking Samuel and Jonathan. Be like, oh, shit, they got swords, y'all. Like, that would make it so much easier to kill people. But yeah, um, yeah, and that was probably a technological advancement. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it like is. When, it's not like it definitely it, is. I, <laughs> so that was the their similar version of like an AR-15. Came, yeah, I was gonna say similar to when guns came and uh, whoever that all they had was swords or pulling arrows. Maybe that's why that story was so cool. Like when Jonathan and his sword bearer were able to, you know, just kill a bunch of his armor bearer. They were able to kill like 20 dudes, just the two of them. So cool. It's like, Hey guys, I just, I mean, it. <laughs> that's the, but that's the, as a person who loves visual media, like shit do be looking cool. Like explosions, gunfights. It looks cool. But this is being in that shit for real is not. This is terrifying. That's Palestine. Okay, first like. Samuel 16. <laughs> David anointed as king. Oh, and we're reading the New Revised Standard Version. Yes. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the ben- Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and say, do you come peacefully? He said, peaceably. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me do that again. Do you come peaceably? He said, peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sacrificed Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, 
Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Except for that time with Saul. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him, bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He said, sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and appointed him, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. The spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. From that day forward, Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. David plays the lyre for Saul. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. The, and Saul's servants said to him, See now, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command the servants who attend you to look for someone who is skillful in playing the lyre. When the evil spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you'll feel better. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me someone who can play well and bring him to me. One of the youngest men answered, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a warrior, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David who is with the sheep. Jesse took a donkey and loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a kid, and sent them by his son David to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand, and Saul would be relieved and feel better, and the evil spirit would depart from him. Thanks be to Thanks God. Thanks be to God. So what did you take from that? Um, God instructed Samuel to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the new king of Israel. But he made it a surprise. Saul. It was like the bachelorette. Because <laughs> he was like, Saul no rose rejected. for you. <laughs> or no oil for you. But yeah. I, I've never watched those shows. I tried. I after watching Flavor of Love, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette are boring. Flavor of Love is the, f I think, not the first, but definitely the last <laughs> uh, reality TV show that I ever watched. And I was, I don't know, I was probably like 15, 16 when that was out. I was about out. to say, so, that was just me dipping my toe in. I still watch quite, yeah. a, not a lot, but more than I'm proud of. Well, once we took um, that filmmaking class together um, and... I kind of found out how they stitched together reality TV to make it look like there's conflict. I was just like, oh, this is bullshit. I like the outfits. So. Okay. 
So this is. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna cause havoc, you might as well look good doing Thank it. Thank you. So, I'm. I think from now on, in my mind, whenever I hear like we're about to do a sacrifice, I'm just picturing a barbecue. Because that's pretty much what it is. Like, and then you invite people. And, of course, people would be excited because it's like, ooh, protein. Because I can't imagine these people are getting a lot of protein in their diet. They don't even have toilet paper. Imagine the state of their assholes. That's probably why there's so much stigma around ass play. Because, like, think of how much it would take (laughs) to actually get a clean (laughs) asshole pre-indoor plumbing. Yeah, I mean, it it's probably was a lot, but... Um, and also, this... Uh, I don't even have a comment for that, honestly. Like, that's you, just such I a... I feel like I'm still picking up on a lot of homoeroticism. Are you getting any of that, or is that just... Or am I just a pervert? Um, both, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, because from what I took from it, Saul initially tried to reject uh, um, David, correct? Saul, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Saul was rejected due to his disobedience. Okay, yeah, like sorry. all of a sudden, God, who doesn't here. make any mistakes, he's like, I made a big mistake with this Saul fella. Which, once again, I think is just Samuel being like, he's not as easy to control as I thought he'd be. So I need to get someone younger and easier to control. And I like to remind everybody, Samuel grew up in an environment without women. Like he's pro his sexuality is probably kind of centered around men. And I feel like in general, men prefer younger sexual targets, especially if they're predatory. So the fact that he's like, where's your youngest son? And basically, cause he's like, well, you already tried a tall guy. Maybe I should go with a short guy this time. And they described him as Rudy and handsome and had beautiful eyes. very disturbing and i feel like armor bearer might be sort of a euphemism for fuck nugget or sex sex uh sex slave type stuff yeah kind of uh, i mean to me so much of this stuff reminds me of game of thrones because it's just a bunch of dirty (laughs) political infighting and i feel like like it's similar to I don't know if you remember like uh, the congressional page controversy. I don't think they even have pages anymore because it just became like a sexual harassment fest. The congressional page controversy. What the hell is There's that? like pages that would work in the U.S. Congress. Like oh, a page. Like yeah, P A I G. That's actually a yeah. term. Yeah. Um. But I think whenever, yes. when, to me, when basically they're like interns, and we all know, like, at least to me, I'm pretty aware that interns are often seen as fresh meat in organizations. So, yeah, a lot of what I'm getting from here is, you know, Samuel, I don't know why God is so coy. He's like, I want you to go there, but I'm not going to tell you which one it is. And it's like, okay, God, I'll see which one you like. Once again, I feel like I agree. I think you have said this before. Sam is just making this shit up. I mean, yeah, but I feel like he's. And why is God? One, I took that from I'm you. Sorry, why is God sending evil spirits down? When did God start doing that? now he just kind of makes it up on the fly and the fact that they're not calling him the lord anymore he's god capital g god 
you know, the more we talk, I don't know why I, I, I couldn't articulate into words until yes. now. Have you ever heard any stories about like Marlon Brando as an actor, just how he was on set? Difficult? Yes. <laughs> For some reason, <laughs> anytime we read these stories, I always just picture God kind of being like Marlon Brando. I can see that. He just kind of shows up when he wants to do. <laughs> he kind of does what he wants to do. <laughs> he might be drunk. Like, he might be drunk. He might not be. Like, I just, I don't know why that image just pops up in my head, but it's always was him. Was it Marlon? Because of all the stories I've heard about heard, how like he, he was. Had sex with Richard Pryor? Oh, yeah. And... Uh, maybe Marvin Gaye too. It's one hell of a life. I think. Yeah. Done done yeah. at all. I mean, he was a young, handsome actor, and that he, you know, he was good too. Yeah. So you know, yeah. once you're good at something, people just want to fuck with yeah. you. It's so weird because the first thing I ever saw Marlon Brando in was The Godfather. So it was so crazy to go back and see the stuff when he was hot. Yeah, that was the first thing I ever saw him in, too. And he wasn't even that old during that, though. He just had prosthetics and shit. Yeah, yeah. And had started taking to the drink. Yeah, he, he that was around the time he stopped taking care yeah. of himself, for Which sure. Sad. But, like, when you go back and watch Streetcar Named Desire, mm. he's fucking, uh, he's fucking I know, ripped, man. Like, you know what? I think it's, it's hard to get mad at him, even though he raped that lady. Oh, he wait, what? I'm pretty sure didn't he rape his sister in law at the end? Oh, in the movie. I thought you were talking about in I real life. Marlon Brando didn't. I hope his sexual encounters were all consensual. You got Sean Connery slap slapping women. This is a different, it was a different oh, time. Boy. Okay, now I will say, um, one of the things I feel like uh, David is associated to is with music because he would play music for Saul to yeah. calm him down when God was fucking with him. So, mm-hmm. um, once again, that also just makes me feel like there was maybe something sexual there because what is sexier than a hot guy playing like some music? That's that's a classic one-two punch and the fact that they put in there that Saul loved him greatly that's and the fact that he doesn't even know that David's been anointed that's I with every passing chapter I feel worse for Saul I don't really think he's done anything to deserve this because they're playing in front of his face yeah well he should have just started making claims about God up. This is gonna be a long episode because I have a question oh. though with with Dave because you talk about how this the the um, them finding David could have been um, essentially them grooming. Um, so my question is because you're saying that they want to find young hot boys to basically fuck. <laughs> So <laughs> I am saying that. <laughs> well, it brings up a it brings up a conversation that I had because when you I had with um my friend Nat who I've mentioned on the podcast before, but it's like the when you look at somebody in I don't know what David looked like or didn't look like, but like the the look of like even if he was more feminine looking um then are you attracted to the that femininity or are you actually is one actually gay 
because they're no what makes it uh, gay is the other dick fucking. so like i think that the, i think the combination like androgyny can be very intriguing so like the combination of male and female i think our mm-hmm. minds automatically find because it, it makes us pause because we've been evolved to like immediately when we see people we see how tall they are are they male or female mm-hmm. and like color like those are things that like immediately strike us before we you know our brains can take in anything else so if our brains have to stop and be like wait is that a boy or a girl like that makes you slow down and like it it makes you it throws for my my turn would be it throws me off and then it also at times makes me uncomfortable i don't think it makes me uncomfortable but it is intriguing like i think one of the things our society does besides like pushing like extreme wealth as a virtue is the idea that we've kind of pornified our brains like we see everybody as like a potential sexual target but Mm -hmm. if you're just seeing them as Mm -hmm. a person it doesn't really matter what their sex is because like i'm not necessarily just engaging them for a potential sexual encounter so like well and i want to clarify when i say make uncomfortable i don't mean like fuck them i want them to die <laughs> i know like i'm saying it, it throws me off because it's like oh that that wasn't what i thought that looks like a woman but it's, it's definitely yeah. not like it throws me like that so then it's i think yeah. there's just sort of this um i don't think I, I, i'll i'll just say i think that um when i listen to different people who are like um you know in the rainbow community like even mm-hmm. if you're gay not every gay guy likes the same type of gay guy like they have to you know it's like he's a bear yeah. he's an odd like everybody and i don't it's just like with anybody like i think people like sexual variety it's not i mean some people definitely have types but i don't think there's um necessarily um it's because like they actually want a no woman type. bad bitches is the only thing that i like yeah i i think that's that was a lot that's, of people's preferences, but we got a really we're we're getting into a Bible classic. Like you don't even have to be a Christian to have heard of this one. This is just it's made into the popular lexicon of like a situation where the big guy is, or the little guy is going up against the little guy. Or the little guy is going up against the big uh, guy. There it is. One Samuel seventeen. Thank you. David and Goliath, baby. This is now it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. They were gathered at Soka, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soka and Azekah in Ephesh Mamin. You're alone on that one. Ephesh. Yeah. Ephesh Da. Ephesh Damin. Saul and the Israel no, was gathered in in camp. Damin. Well, no, because it got the. It ends in the M. It got the I. It's got yeah, but it's got the I M, which I thought usually is I E. Whatever. Epesh Damin. Saul and the Israelites gathered in and encamped in the valley of Ella and formed ranks against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain of the on. The Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with the valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. 
He had a helmet of bronze in his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had greaves of bronze on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite. Ephrathite of Bethlehem and Judah and named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three eldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him, Abib, Abidnadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward and took his stand morning and evening. Jesse said to his son, David, take your sons and Ephraim. And, oh, take your take your brothers, take your sons. David said to his son, David, take your brothers at Ephath of his parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camps to your brothers. Also, take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See how your brothers fare and bring some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. David rose early in the morning, left with the sheep of the keeper, took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the encampment as the army was going forth to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Israel and Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, ran to the ranks, and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as David. And David heard him. All the Israelites, when they saw the man, fled from him and were very much afraid. The Israelites said, Have you seen this man who have come up? Surely has come up to defy Surely he has come up to defy Israel. The king will greatly enrich the man who kills him and will give him his daughter and make his family free in Israel. David said to the man who has stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done for the man who kills him? His eldest brother Eliab heard him talking to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He said, What have you done? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down just to see the battle. David said, What have I done now? It was only a question. He turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, Let's not let no one's heart 
fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamp from the rock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth, and it turned against me. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine should be like one of them, since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of the Philistine. So Saul, ha so Saul said to David, Go! And may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. Uh, David strapped Saul's sword over the armor and he tried in the vein to walk, for he was not used to them. Then Saul said to David, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in the shepherd's bag in, in the pouch. His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistines. The Philistines came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of them. When the Philistines looked and saw David, his, he disdained him for he was only youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistines said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistines said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of the Israel, whom you have defied this very day. The Lord will deliver you into the hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will take and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that. All this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give it into our hand. He will give into our hand. When the Philistines drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a smooth took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone shrank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, striking down the Philistine and killing him. There was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine. He grasped his sword, drew it out of his sheath, and killed him, and he cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. The troops of the Israel and Judah rose up with a shout and pursued the Philistine as far, Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistine fell on the way from Sharaim as far as Gath and Ekron. The Israelites came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to the Jer Jerusalem, and brought it to Jerusalem, but he said, but he put his armor in his tent. When Saul saw David, go to again, go out against the Philistines. He said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this young man? Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. The king said, inquire whose son the stripling is. On David's return from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David said, I am the son of the servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Bethlehemite.
Woo. So yeah, that was um that was a big name drop right there. He was like, Yeah, you everybody's gonna know my name. Um and my daddy's name. Um can I, I'm gonna give this note because this has always been billed as an inspiring story of faith. Cause the way it was taught to me was that it wasn't that David fought well, it's that he believed well. And he believed that no matter how mm-hmm. ill-equipped he w- was, God was going to help him out. And yes. um, and he helped him so well that he killed a guy, and then that helped them kill a lot of other guys. And then he was also carrying his decapitated head around. Can I just say, generally throughout history, if you're the person cutting off heads, you're not the good guy. Oh, stripling just means oh, young man. man. I've okay. never heard that word before. I can't say that I have either. But yeah, it basically just it, it puts a lot of heavy emphasis on the word young. But I mean, I got to say, like the way that because I would very we, like I said, we very rarely read this like the direct stories from the Bible, especially not in Catholic church. Like we read through the Bible when I was in Protestant school and then they'd give us some sort of interpretation. So it was like, oh yeah, that was just a metaphor. But it's it, this is so violent. I can't help but see the violence in this and the fact that the oh, Lord yeah, can right. come up with any solution because he already knows that he can change people's minds. So why not just change the Philistines' minds, make them get circumcised, and start, you know, being nice to his people. Uh, God hates foreskin. Uh, is, is he a masochist? Is that the word? Sadist. Sadist. What's the Because it's like masochist. S&M. Masochist, a person who derives sexual gratification from their own pain. Oh, yeah. okay. So, yeah. And I know that because it was named after <laughs> the Marquis de Sade, who, um, like, was uh, into some kiki shit in the French aristocracy. So that's why it's called being sad- sadistic or Satanist. S&M. Gotcha. Brianna has a song called s and I, I bet. She's real sexy. Um, okay. I mean, this is one of the biggest classical Bible stories of all time. You don't have anything? Um, I mean, it was, I was entertained. I was entertained while reading it. I was, I mean. Oh, and um, this reminded me a lot of WWF and anime. Just the dialogue. Um, I could see this as an anime <laughs> for sure. Um, especially with all the head slicing I'm, off. I'm, and I will say Goliath was talking I'm some sh- big shit. Sure like that, that is always, you know, to have talk big shit and have a fight. Now they always make him in a giant, a, gi- a giant. But in reality, I mean, he probably was what like six five and David right. was like five, three or something. <laughs> no, he was six cubits. What's a cubit? Oh yeah, they did give his yeah. Measurements. He was six cubits in a span. <laughs> One of them tall boys. This is the other reason too why it's just giving. Oh, and Saul was like, if you kill this guy, I'll give you my daughter because she's not allowed to say no. Okay, so they're saying six cubits is big. He's nine feet nine inches. Oh, so he was a giant giant. So wow. Yeah. So you you killed a marvel of nature. Weird, but you know what? Fuck them because they didn't. They still had foreskin. So God doesn't like them as much. 
Weird. Welcome. All right. Weird I'm going to go to First uh, Samuel 18, John's covenant with David. Let's see if it sounds gay. When David had finished <laughs> speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. As a result, Saul sent, set him over the army and all the people, even the servants of Saul, approved. As they were coming home, when David returned from killing the Philistine, the women came out of the towns of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and the musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they made merry, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry, for this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, ten thousands and to me they have ascribed thousands what more can he have but the kingdom so saw i david from that day on saul tries to kill david the next day an evil spirit from god rushed upon saul and he raved within his house while david was playing the lyre as he did day by day saul had his spear in his hands and saw through the spirit for he thought i will pin david to the wall but david eluded him twice Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And David marched out and came in leading the army. David had success in all his undertakings for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David for it was he who marched out and came in leading them. David marries Michael. Then Saul said to David, here is my elder daughter, Merib. I will give her to you as a wife. Only be vigilant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines deal with them. David said to Saul, Who am I and who are my kinsfolk that my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? But at the time when Saul's daughter Merib should have been given to David, she was given to Adarel the Meholophite as a wife. Now Saul's daughter Micah loved David. She was told the thing and the thing pleased him. Saul thought, let me give her to him that she may be a snare for him and that the hand of the Philistines may not be against him. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, you shall now be my son-in-law. Saul commanded his servants speak to David in a private and say, see, the king is delighted with you and all his servants love you. Now then become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants reported these words to David in private and David said does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law seeing that I am a poor man and of no repute the servant said of Saul told him this is what David said then Saul said thus you shall say to David the king desires no marriage present except a hundred foreskins <laughs> of the Philistines that he may be avenged on the king's enemies now Saul planned to make David fall by the hands of the Philistines. When his servants told David these words, David was well pleased to the, be the king's son-in-law. Before the time had expired, 
David rose and went along with his men and killed 100 of the Philistines and David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law. Saul gave him his daughter Micah as a wife, but when Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that Saul's daughter Micah loved him, Saul was still more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy from that time forward. Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than the servants of Saul so that his fame became very great. <sighs> Thanks be to God. Woo! Maybe if the Palestinians like all circumcise themselves, God will stop being mad at them. I don't understand what the obsession is with the foreskins and circumcision. I really, I don't understand how we got. It seems to me that like something that just was maybe weird to people then became trendy. So it's like, oh, you know what? I actually don't like this. Let me not do this. And then like because somebody decided, oh, I actually like how it looks better this way and other people follow suit they kind of just anybody who didn't follow suit they kind of like persecute them and it's just i don't know it's, it's weird to me that that is the take i mean actually no you know what it's not weird because that is actually still very much uh, on brand for how treatment is today if you don't follow suit with what is being said in the church if you're not an exact believer you get ostracized like um i didn't even tell you this on friday when i went to an event um i went to go do some photography videography stuff and um I, i've been working with this organization for a while stayed after to kind of help clean up and right when i'm about to leave the main staff and leadership was like hey let's get a prayer in before we all go and I just kind of like freeze. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, uh, so we pray. And then in the prayer, I, I will give this lady credit for this. Cause she did say, Hey, I'm going to pray. But, um, essentially like I'm going to pray as a Christian. I don't know what everybody else is. Y'all can just take a moment, but this is me. Like I'm going to, so I will kind of give her credit. Cause she did acknowledge everybody there might not. No, I'm I'm not I said kind of. I said kind of. Only reason I won't give her full. Only reason I only reason I won't full fully give credit is because it's still you're still impressing your belief system upon everybody else, regardless if they are Christian or not. Like you're you're calling for this thing to happen, um, and I just find moments like that to be very annoying, honestly. Um, so, it's very unprofessional for sure. You know, next time you'll be like. Allah Akbar, Akbar. Like, just start praying in Arabic and just see how comfortable everyone is. You know, dare I say that that is a thing amongst us black people is the lack of professionalism for moments like that. I mean, we've already discussed this on similar epi or episodes before. Like, that seems to only be a thing within the black community. Like, I don't go to white spaces and they do that. No, it's not. I, it's not. In not in in the the uh, industry that I'm in, I don't go to white spaces and they do that. I own that only happens when I go to black spaces. And like I said, I'm in a lot of white spaces, especially when you're in the sports arena and stuff like that. You're totally. Arian Foster talked about that all the time. Like you're totally expect like they because they're the ones who are pushing it super hard and are like, we need prayer back in the schools. It's like. 
if if prayer works like how you say it is nobody can stop it like we're just saying like we just don't want to be made to participate in it all right well next time on bible breakdown podcast we have uh samuel 19 20 and 21 jonathan's going to intercede for david the friendship of david and jonathan and then david and the holy bread so seems interesting um your body belongs to you get mental health therapy uh be the change you wish to see in the world be curious and not judgmental bible breakdown podcast at gmail.com is where you can reach us uh we'd love to have these discussions these debates um and yeah just have a good day have a good day we'll see you soon take care